Community Players Podcast Standby. Places, please. Hosts and guests, places, please. House lights, go. Curtain, go. Podcast, go. Welcome to Places, Please, a podcast produced by the Community Players Theater in Beatrice, Nebraska. I'm Jamie Ulmer, Managing Artistic Director at the Theater, and this is Season 3, Episode 8, for our Acting Up production of Charlotte's Web. This show is the third and final production of the 2021-2022 Stage Door season. In Act 2 of this episode, we'll talk to CP Associate Artistic Director Tyler Rinney, who directs this production. We talk about the show, we look back at the Stage Door shows from the season, and talk about what's coming up next season for our young performers. We do apologize for some audio difficulties we had during the interview, our audio engineer who is also me, didn't have all the settings turned on correctly on his computer when we recorded. I'll have to dock that guy's pay. But first, Act 1. Charlotte's Web has been a familiar title for young readers for 70 years. The book was written by author E.B. White, who also wrote the books Stuart Little and The Trumpet of the Swan. If you never read this book growing up or don't remember much about it, the story revolves around a young pig named Wilbur and his friendship with the spider Charlotte. Originally, the runt of the litter, he is befriended by a young girl named Fern, who treats him like a pet. It is soon discovered, however, that Wilbur is being raised for slaughter. Learning this, Charlotte hatches a plan to save the pig by writing words and phrases in her web in order to make Wilbur famous. The book has been popular among kids and teachers throughout the years. In 2012, a survey by the School Library Journal listed Charlotte's Web as number one on their poll of the top 100 children's novels. The book was also listed by Publishers Weekly in 2000 as being the best-selling children's paperback of all time. The story is notable in that it deals with a variety of themes and topics, including death, change, and innocence, in an accessible and age-appropriate way for young readers or audiences. There have been several adaptations of the book, in addition to this stage version, including a 1973 animated version and a 2006 live-action movie. In the foreword of the book, White is quoted as saying, All that I hope to say in books, all that I ever hope to say, is that I love the world. This show, is produced by our Acting Up program, which is an after-school program for students in grades 5 through 8. This is the first time Community Players has produced the show. Our production runs approximately 75 minutes, and there is one intermission. The show is rated a 1 on our production rating scale. That means it is for all audiences, or the equivalent of a G-rated movie. That brings down the curtain for Act 1. Stand by for Act 2. Well, welcome once again to the podcast, Tyler. Did you bring your punch card? Yes, and actually, I think I filled it out last time, so I am owed a sandwich. Oh, okay. Well, let me let me let me punch another. <laughs> there we go. We'll start a brand new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, your sandwich is in the refrigerator. Um, don't ask, but it may have been in the in the green room refrigerator since last Christmas. Yeah, that makes sense. Not this Christmas, but last <laughs> Christmas. Um, so as we are recording uh, this uh, this uh, episode, it is Tuesday morning of Tech Week. Mm-hmm. How ha- are things going with the show? 
Um, going pretty well. I had a nice rehearsal uh, with the kids last night, uh, and we're getting close close to finishing up most of the tech elements of the show. Um, we're just kind of wrapping up one of the most important parts of the show right now, which is the writing that appears in Charlotte the Spider's Web. So that's what I'm finishing up this morning. Yes, yeah, I guess that would be a key element of Charlotte's Web. <laughs> yeah, it's it kind of the title, isn't it? Be the Web. <laughs> uh, so the book that this play is based on actually turns 70 years old this year. Um, when did you first read or discover the story? I'm pretty sure that my first grade teacher, Mrs. Behrens, uh, read it out loud to us. I think it was just kind of something that we did at the end of the school year as things were wrapping up. When we had free time, she would read some chapters to us. And I, I have two uh, distinctive memories about um, her sharing books with us. One of them is Charlotte's Web, and there's not a more interesting story than that. But um, if you remember, uh, Miss Nelson is Missing. Are oh, you yeah. Familiar mm -hmm. with that book, yeah. too? Um, about this really nice teacher that the kids kind of take advantage of. So this Miss Swamp shows up and is really cruel to the kids. Well, she did that to us. Oh. <laughs> she, she, Mrs. Behrens didn't come to school one day, and instead Miss Swamp came and was our teacher for the day. And I still really vividly remember that. And at the end of the book, it's revealed that they're the same person. And then, of course, Mrs. Behrens did that too. So I, I vividly remember that. Um, so she was really good about, about sharing stories with us as first graders. <laughs> It was almost like a immersive piece of theater as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, a fun fact: there is a stage adaptation of that show too. Yes, there is. <laughs> I, I have seen that in the catalogs. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and I just want to say, you know, for me, um, the first time I remember being exposed to the story was I actually think it was seeing uh, the animated. Uh, uh, movie on TV yeah. uh, when I was a young kid, but then I was like obsessed with with that story, and oh. I seem to remember creating. And and if my parents listen to this podcast, which I don't think they do, um, they are, are welcome to correct me. But I seem to remember as a young kid creating like this diorama display in my bedroom window, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and like no one would see it because yeah. we lived on a farm, and no one would ever come see this display with I made with webs and stuff. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> They're like, why does this kid still have his Halloween stuff up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They'd be like, what a weirdo. Um, today, you'd just be, you know, a, a, a goth kid or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, but speaking of the books and things, sometimes when, thing, when things like books are adapted uh, for the stage or screen, things get changed or there are major differences for one reason or another. How does this adaptation compare to the book? Uh, this is actually a very faithful adaptation uh, by Joseph Robinette, who's done a lot of adaptations, and even specifically of books by E.B. White, who wrote Charlotte's Web. He's also the writer of uh, Stuart Little, and this Joseph Robinette also adapted that play as well, which we did for our Readers Theater a uh, year and a half ago. Yeah, it was last, I think it was, yeah, last spring, yeah. Yeah, um, so, yeah, not even... Um, but they actually worked fairly closely on this adaptation of the script. Not so much that E.B. White is a co-writer on the script, but they were in pretty close correspondence as Robinette was adapting this script. So it's, it's faithful, um, but definitely not word for word, but it definitely follows all of the, the plot beats that you expect to find there. Huh, cool. Um, what do you think it is that has kept the story so popular for 70 years? I think it's, to me, it's really a story about growing up um, and all of the central characters of the show being Wilbur, Fern, and even her brother Avery. 
um, and Charlotte as well, they all grow up over the course of the book and the play. That, for instance, you really, when you meet Fern, this young girl, she's basically hopelessly devoted to this pig. And that is all she cares about is this pig and visiting this pig and talking with this pig. And then uh, by the end of the show, when they end up going to the fair where Wilbur has to win uh, the blue, uh, blue ribbon to save himself from be being taken to the butcher, um, she's almost completely kind of forgotten about Wilbur almost because she's discovered boys and fun at the fair. And I think that's really interesting too because it's not necessarily a heartwarming growing up story that Wilbur kind of loses Fern over the course of the book. So I think it's also just a really true look at growing up and not just focusing on the heartwarming aspects of it. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, that really struck me, especially with the book. And then Avery almost takes the opposite route, that he starts out as this snot-nosed little kid who's who tries to uh, pick on Charlotte by getting him her with a stick out of her web. And by the end of it, he almost takes over as the one that's taking care of Wilbur at the fair. So hmm. it's, there's some really interesting growth in the story. Um, and it's not as evident in the stage adaptation, but we've tried to draw that in with the performances, even though it's not, maybe not as evident in the actual dialogue as it is in the book. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so talk, talk about the design of the show. Kind of what was your thought process with it, and is there anything that people should really keep an eye out for? Yeah, for this show, I really wanted to keep it simple uh, for a couple of reasons. One, just on the strength of the story. There's a reason that it's 70 years old and people are still reading it, um, and it's still such a, a bestseller. Um, but so to let the story really stand on its own and the performances stand on its own, but also on a more personal level, every other show I've worked on this year has been so complicated <laughs> tech-wise that I'm like, I have to go the other direction at least a little bit. If not only for my sanity, but to not just rely on those tech tricks to be like, that's what's going to make a show amazing is all these technical wow factors. I'm like, no, let's, this one, let's really, really, truly focus on the story of it. Oh, yeah, that, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so let's talk about the young actors in the show. Uh, how big is the cast? Uh, we have 29 in the cast uh, this year, which is about uh, standard for acting up after being down a little bit uh, over the past couple shows, um, which has been nice to expand out to a big cast again, including over half of them being either brand new to community players or at least brand new to acting up. Maybe some of them have done Stars of Summer in the past. So mm -hmm. it's been really nice to work with uh, some new kids in the show and to have a lot of young kids in the show again, which means that our, our program is going to keep staying strong and building as we keep going forward as we uh, some kids age out and we have uh, five uh, kids aging out this year so it's nice to actually see those younger kids that are going to keep the keep the program strong yeah and uh, uh, who is aging out oh yeah um, so uh, Cecily Weedle who is playing Charlotte in this production uh, David Marstad who is the farmhand Lurvy they've both been in acting up uh, since they were in fifth grade so they've been in every production they can and then we have some newer kids um, that just started either this semester or this year that are also aging as well aging out as well Sarah Dodge um, Claire McGreary and Brielle Toland cool and uh, for people who don't know what's the age range uh, oh, yeah. for acting up kids uh, this is for uh, grades five through eight okay. cool um, so, um, who are playing some of the main characters? You, you mentioned a couple of them just now, but uh, anyone else of note? Yeah, other uh, ones to mention, of course, are, are Fern, uh, played by Addison Schaefer, and of course, Wilbur, uh, played by Kipton Barons. No relation to my first grade teacher, Mrs. Barons. I, I was just going to say, I was like, <laughs> that's kind of suspicious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So, uh, believe it or not, this show is the final production of this season's Stage Door series. So, looking back on this season, what has really stood out to you? I th I've been really proud of how these shows uh, turned out and the performances we were able to capture uh, from these young actors. Um, and just the work that they've put in over the course of either the summer or the semesters and just to be able to deliver performances and tell stories that I think uh, will resonate with uh, people beyond just their friends and family. That you could come to one of these stage door shows and just say, hey, that was really fun and I really enjoyed that. And that's always been one of my goals uh, since uh, stage door programming started at the theater. Yeah, and uh, the stage door programming this season had a pretty wide variety of stuff. You know, from Frozen that opened it, uh, opened things up in July to the original show that you wrote uh, in the fall, and now this show, uh, yeah, it's quite the diverse season. Yeah, and that's um, I think again for on both sides of the coin for me personally I really enjoy switching up uh, from project to project that keeps me really interested um, and I think the same goes for an audience as well that we don't want to be like all right here's your three Disney shows enjoy <laughs> which they would mm -hmm. um, but at some point you you get a little tired of that so I think we had like you said that fun Disney musical a little bit darker original show and now this classic sweet adaptation yeah. Um, so what's on tap for next season's Stage Door Productions? Yeah, again, we're, we're keeping the variety going, uh, even when you compare it to this season as well, um, with our Stars of Summer production of Singing in the Rain Jr., uh, which is, again, is a musical, but this time an adaptation of a classic Hollywood film about classic Hollywood. Um, so that will be a fun, uh, I think, a treat for our young actors to take part in something like that, that, again, isn't just that Disney musical, which, of course, we love doing, but it'll be nice to uh, switch it up for this summer. Um, and then a fairy tale, a twisted fairy tale, happily ever before, that involves time travel and all your favorite fairy tales. And then finally, the never-ending story, which is a big, again, an adaptation and a big uh, epic fantasy adventure. Yeah, yeah, it's a. I really do like the lineup that uh, we've got assembled for next season's stage door. Me too. I'm excited about all of them for different reasons. Right. Right. So as we wrap up and, and go back to talking and thinking about Charlotte's Web, uh, what do you hope the audiences take away from the show? I hope that they get to see a, a different take on me. I'm sure one of their childhood favorites, or at least something they experienced in their childhood. Just an opportunity to revisit this uh, classic story that has certainly been a part of your life at some point or other. Um, and whether and just to see what you take away from a stage adaptation and our stage adaptation of it. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to uh, add or talk about with the show? No, it's just a it's a, a fun little show, and it's sweet, and I hope you enjoy the performances that the kids have put together and the show that we put together. Awesome, awesome. Well, I will let you get back to being tangled in the web. Yes. Uh, if you if you need any assistance, um, uh, maybe my spidey sense will tingle <laughs> and uh, we'll come down and cut you out of out of the web. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Jamie. It's time for the curtain call. This podcast is a production of Community Players Theater in downtown Beatrice, Nebraska. Our production of Charlotte's Web runs for one weekend, April 29th through May 1st. Tickets are available by calling the box office or visiting our website. Up next on the CP stage in June is our regular season closing musical, Desperate Measures. I'm Jamie Ulmer. This has been Places, Please, and we will see you at the theater. Curtain in, house lights up, 
Thank you, podcast. Make sure to reset your props and hang up your costumes.